Good morning, everyone. I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Today is the 30th of September, the launch pad for that rhyme designed to keep us straight about the length of various months. 30 days hath September, April, June, and November. We have the 273rd day of 2019 today, narrowing the remainder to 92 days left in this year. We're a week now into autumn, which English romantic poet John Keats called the season of mists and mellow fruitfulness, close bosom friend to the maturing sun, conspiring with him how to load and bless with fruit the vines that round the thatch eaves run. That was 200 years ago, as Keats composed to autumn on the 19th of September, 1819. Not quite a hundred years later, Irish poet William Butler Yeats, between 1916 and 1917, would begin The Wild Swans at Cool with The trees are in their autumn beauty, the woodland's paths are dry, under the October twilight the water mirrors a still sky. Upon the brimming water among the stones are the nine and fifty swans. Here in northern New England, on this last day of September, our landscape pastels are surely mellowing, such that the main Department of Agriculture reports for northern zones 4, 5, 6, and 7 that we are approaching peak colors, pretty much on schedule for Aroostook County. And speaking of the county, Caribou native Jessica Mayer this past Wednesday morning became the first Maine woman to venture into space when the Soyuz MS-15 spacecraft she was traveling in entered an orbit 220 miles above Earth. After four orbits, the Soyuz spacecraft docked at the International Space Station around a quarter to four Eastern Daylight Time. Jessica had been Caribou High School's Class of 1995 valedictorian and was among three women and four men selected from 6,100 applicants in 2013 for NASA's 21st Class of Astronauts. In April of this year, NASA announced Jessica would make her first space flight in September. Last night to the west, not long after sunset, the young moon, a slender sliver, a skinny crescent, was keeping company with Venus, Spica, and Mercury. On this day in 1659, Director General Peter Stuyvesant of the American colony of New Netherland forbade the playing of tennis during religious services. Some historians say this was the first mention of tennis in the American colonies. A mere five years after that edict, the colony would be provisionally ceded to the English and be renamed New York. These days, some of us find it difficult not to think of New York when our current United States president is mentioned, and vice versa, as the place and the personage are intertwined relative to the data category of wheeler-dealer. On that note, students in class the other day were wondering what life in the U.S. was like during previous impeachment proceedings, of which the country has had to experience only a few, those of Presidents Andrew Johnson, Richard Tricky Dicky Nixon, and Bill Slick Willie Clinton. Of the two I had witnessed, the levels of intensity varied, I told them. Nixon's, because of the nature of seriousness in his misdeeds, drew much of the public's attention, 
but only long enough to see the first official resignation of a president. Clinton's, which was aiming at proving perjury, but because of the nature of the offense, the president's questionable association with Monica Lewinsky, and the lack of a Me Too movement at the time, somewhat held the interest of the public, but mostly in the vein of a sideshow. How Trump's developing dalliance with impeachment proceedings eventually plays out in comparison with, or in contrast to, previous renditions involving our presidents remains to be seen. Today is the birthday of Johnny Mathis, who was born the fourth of seven children of a valet chauffeur and a maid in San Francisco. Johnny had been athletically gifted, biographer Ed Morrow tells us, as Mathis broke track and field records and later starred on his basketball team at San Francisco State College. As a boy, Johnny loved singing, and his father, a frustrated entertainer, provided his son with a piano and plenty of Ella Fitzgerald, Peggy Lee, and Lena Horne records. But Johnny pragmatically had planned to be a physical education instructor. Yet when he was 13, his parents bought him, brought him to singer Connie Cox for a professional appraisal of Johnny's voice. And she was so impressed that, for no fee, she trained Johnny for six years. Soon he was singing in local jazz clubs, though the audiences frequently didn't like his voice, thinking it to be too high. Mathis would later recall, People told me I sang too high and that I sounded like a girl. I thought it was a horrible thing God had given me, this strange voice. Nonetheless, professional singers such as Dizzy Gillespie and Miles Davis encouraged Johnny to continue. When he was 19, Helen Noga heard him jamming with some friends, was impressed, and became Mathis's manager, winning him a, record, a recording contract with Columbia Records. And the rest is history. Today is also the birthday of Buddy Rich, born in 1917, of Truman Capote, born in 1924, of Angie Dickinson, born in 1932, of Marilyn McCoo, born in 1943, and of Marion Cotillard, born in 1976. For more on O'Main, I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Here's to our fine last day of September.